Hey guys, Mubarak here. If you're at all interested in crypto trading, investing, and figuring out what are the best altcoins to invest in now, check out altcoinresearch.com. We just launched our new course that goes through the A to Z, regardless of your background or experience. And I know you guys are going to love it, so go check it out. All right. Hey, how you doing, man? Appreciate you coming on. I'm glad we were able to connect. For my audience, this is Kay. He is actually the CEO and founder of Spectre.ai. And it's a very hey. cool concept. Um, I'm going to let him introduce himself and give give a little background to kind of my audience to kind of let them know who exactly you are and what you do. Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for, for um, having me. So to give you a quick background, um, I'm a financial engineer. Uh, I built a, a small fintech company over the past five and a half years. Um, and prior to that, I was working at uh, JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs, more on the equity side equity research to be specific, and a little bit of investing towards the end of my my career there. And um, in the last three years, we've basically been helping traders with our algorithms and education academy, which you know, which I think you joined uh, just two to three days ago. Yeah. And um, the biggest feedback that we've been receiving on digital options and FX, which is where we train our traders, is that brokers are uh, conducting a lot of fraud. There's a lot of moral hazard uh, in the equation. And so we uh, created a, a technology called Spectre, which is currently, uh, we're, we're doing an ICO for it. Presale is, is finished tomorrow. And this is basically the world's first prediction market platform that allows you to trade CFDs and smart options without the presence of a broker. It has its own liquidity pool. The balance sheet is basically replaced um, uh, instead of by instead of with a broker, you're actually trading against a robotic pool of money effectively. And uh, so it's, it's a pretty new concept. Got it, got it. So that, yeah, I'm gonna try to break that down with you to make it a little bit more simple. Mm -hmm. um, one interesting thing though that before we even get into that is, uh, so a lot of my audience does penny stock trading. That's our niche, that's what we focus on. But we also look into options trading, Forex. Um, and so why isn't the industry regulated? Why is so much fraud occurring at this level? That's a fantastic question. So when we talk about the industry, there are uh, various facets of the industry, various uh, layers and sub-layers. So you're 100% right. If you're trading penny stocks where the settlement is exchange traded, that means that you're effectively buying the penny stock from someone else. And then there is a, um, an exchange in the middle, something like Charles Schwab, right? That would be your broker. Yes. Those are, those are, those are fine, interactive brokers, because they're, uh, they're effectively just matching traders, right? That's effectively what the equity market is. There's not a problem there. There's a very small problem in centralization. That, that's not the. That's not. That's not what we're disrupting. So, where the, the where the shit hits the fan, where the problems begin, is in the B book industry. B booking versus A booking. So, when you're trading stocks, you're mainly A booking, right? When you're selling and buying your shares and so forth. In foreign exchange, 60 to 70 percent of the market is actually the B book market, because it's more profitable for brokers to offer their own balance sheet. So you trade directly against the broker. They don't actually take your trade and forward it to, to other traders. If they do that, they just take a small commission. So for them, it makes more sense, since traders lose more money than they win, to offer their balance sheet. That's where all the moral hazard starts, because there's a conflict of interest, whether you're a binary options broker or you're an FX broker. If you are B-booking, you make more money, on, you make 100% on people's losses way more profitable. And so it's in your interest to make sure they trade against your balance sheet. And that's where it's also in your interest to tamper with the price feeds, delay withdrawals, uh, give improper education, a, a, a gamut of moral hazard um, sort of nodes 
uh, enters the equation. And this has resulted in a multi-million, multi-billion dollar fraud problem. Um, last year, uh, in binary options, specifically, you had the incident of Fred Turbide. He's a Canadian entrepreneur. Uh, you just have to Google him, Fred Turbide. It became an international incident because not only was he defrauded by the binary options broker for over $250,000, that was his whole life savings, his money, everything. Um, he ended up shooting himself in the head and leaving behind a widow and, and kids. And that brought to four a very, very dirty and murky industry. $3 billion, by the way, binary options. And then also in FX, you see a lot of similar incidences because traders are just being raped, literally. Um, the problem is... the the, the the biggest issue uh, is deposits. That's where uh, the, the first leap of faith happens from the trader. They have to deposit money in the operating account at the broker. And then the broker provides a, a pseudo platform that allows them to trade the market. But this is where all the conflict of interest enters in. And that's why you have a 70 to 90% loss ratio in the industry. So that's kind of in a nutshell what's going on. I see. I see. So and now that's how kind of you guys saw that through being in the industry for years, and that was probably something that a lot of your students or a lot of the people you interacted with went through. And then how did Spectre come into play and what does Spectre do that helps alleviate the issues you just outlined? Yeah, yeah f- fantastic question. So um, the, the course that you signed up to, Blue Sky Binary, we teach digital options, FX and cryptos. And if you speak to the fellow traders, when you speak to the tutor, you'll ask, you'll, you'll have the answer to the question you just asked. So. 80% of our traders said, look, you're helping us with better trade entries, algorithms, all these things, um, education. What's the point, though? Because ultimately, if we bro- grow our capital, the broker uh, freezes our account. They make a range of excuses. They will tamper with price feeds. So effectively, you're right. It's the community that feed back to us over the past three years. Thousands of traders who were uh, having games being played with their funds. Um, and so we developed Spectre. Around 16 months ago, we basically invested in Ethereum. And the best way to get interest, interested in something is actually put money behind it, right? Because then when you have money behind it, you actually... Exactly. So, um, yeah, exactly. So we basically invested in Ethereum. It was a small position, maybe 5 or 10K. Uh, that was when Ethereum was at $10. And it was an emergent sort of technology. You're not really seeing those big ICOs and stuff. And um and obviously, then, you know, what happened, we sold out very early because we're very low risk. So we sold out at 50 or 60. But that really made us do a, a deep dive on the, the potential of smart contracts um, and specific blockchains, not so much Bitcoin per se. And Ethereum stood out in its in its unique capabilities. What we basically saw is that all the, the, the vital functions of a broker, which is accepting deposits, offering your balance sheet, creating the market, as in creating the prices, accepting the trades and paying out withdrawals all of these functions do not require human intervention anymore they can be computerized into smart contracts smart contracts are using the blockchain to verify all these steps and you can trade directly against other traders which is what we do or against a a giant pool of money which is what we offer as well so we have a conditional algorithm if we can't if you can't be matched to me immediately you'll be matched to the wider pool of um, ethereum which is effectively money right okay. so the, the liquidity pool and just to, is, uh, sorry don't mean to interrupt just to clarify could you go into a little bit detail of what smart contracts are and kind of how they are related to ethereum yes so they are basically trustless pieces of code that are put into a um 
into basically into a package and they are copied across a decentralized network of nodes. Very, very simply put, that's how the blockchain works, right? So once the software is, is put on one node, it gets copied on all, and this is why it's decentralized. That means that if there's a centralized authority that wants to shut down one or two or three servers, um, it won't really help because it's copied on thousands, right? Ethereum right now, I think, has something in the order of 20,000 plus nodes and growing. So basically, once it's unleashed, all those lines of code, they better be audited because it will never stop. It's like terminating, right? So whatever you've told it to do, it will keep doing that into uh, into infinity, right? And that's, that's pretty, it's a scary concept, but what it basically means is so... If you enter a trade at X price, the system is forced to accept that trade. If you win, it will, it will be forced to pay you an X amount of money. We can't intervene because we would physically have to go to each and every one of those 20,000 plus servers and, and, and stop that from happening. It's, it's impossible. So it's a, it's a trustless system, basically. And the smart contracts are immutable. That's this, the whole concept of once they're written and once they're unleashed on the blockchain, you can't actually change them. And... That's amazing for, for brokerless trading because the problem with moral hazard is that it's conditional. When we are talking about small sums of money, brokers don't worry. You could go tomorrow and deposit money at a binary options broker and make a thousand bucks. No problem, right? Yeah. It's when you start to make 40, 50, 60, 70K, that's when the brokers start to get worried. And that's the beauty about smart contracts is they don't care. They don't know the concept of moral hazard. Okay. Got it. Got it. I see. And so do you think this solution, right, before I go into more specific about Spectre AI specifically, do you think that this could have been done without a blockchain solution? Uh, no. So here, here's the thing. If we did the same thing just on a bunch of servers, right? So let's say it was just three or four servers. Um, the problem is that we would have access to those servers, right? So again, they could be shut down. We could hijack them. We could hack them. This is the biggest problem. You need this independent verification layer, which is the blockchain. You need the immutability of smart contracts to enforce all the conditions, right? Um, and what's really important, uh, and I forgot to mention this, is that you can trade from your Ethereum wallet. Uh, basically, that's your blockchain wallet. Mm -hmm. Off our website, directly with our pool. You don't need to deposit money with us. We don't accept deposits, right? And, it, and for this technology, you need the blockchain. You can't do this without the blockchain. Got it. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. So, all right. So now we have all this kind of laid out, right? I got my traders. They're interested always in finding different opportunities, learning about new markets. If one of them wants to start getting traded in using Spectre AI, kind of what do they need to know? How do they get started? Okay. Very good question. So right now it's in demo mode. Okay. We offer one of three contracts. Uh, we have a live trading platform. You can try it out. Uh, we offer smart options. So basically, it's a, it's a very simple digital option. You know, if the price of X is higher over this period, you get paid X, right? Simple as that. You can close the contract before or, or later. Later next year, I think uh, May or so, we're introducing CFDs. CFDs are a contract for differences, which is basically your classic FX trading. The only difference is that we're going to be writing CFDs on stocks, penny shares, and all those exciting things, right? So it's not just stocks. So your traders can come in. The difference is, um, in your world, in the penny stock world, you actually end up owning the underlying asset. There's actual settlement happening, right? There's no settlement on the blockchain. Now here, here you're just trading the direction. So it's what you call a synthetic derivative. That's it, right? Um, so you have... The smart options are CFDs, and then towards the end of next year, early 2019, we will allow you to trade your traditional A-book 
FX, foreign exchange, and cryptos with settlement. Right now, the technology doesn't exist for settlement, so it's just synthetic. But you can come. Um, what it really means for your traders is, hey, right now, if you want to go long Bitcoin, right? Are you going to make 30% on Bitcoin in the next two, three weeks after it's risen so much? Probably not. You can come to our platform, take out a smart a smart option on it, and say, if Bitcoin is higher in the next three weeks, you get 30% back, hmm. right? So we we offer these these bets, if you will. That's effectively what they are, wagers. Yeah. Um, and you can you can play them either through smart options or, or CFDs. So it's either binary or not binary. That's up to you. You can you can decide that. Got it. Got it. And the, and this whole wagering concept, or kind of the way that people would you know utilize Spectre and and how people are able to profit off of it, is this part of what's the difference between this and options tradings or signals? You know, binary signals. What's kind of like the difference or the similarities between all those? Okay, so if you compare us to uh, binary options, the, the main difference here is that you're obviously trading against the broker in a binary option scenario. So even if you win, they will hold your capital, right? Brokers just do that. Um, you can't withdraw immediately, etc. With us, we have no control over the funds, over the trade outcomes, the, the flow of funds in the whole system. You win, the pool pays you, you lose, the funds go to the pool, they go to dividend token holders, they go to the spectrum management team, part of it. So that's the, it's a contractual relationship which basically makes it a very safe trading asset class. Mm. Um, on the CFDs, the contract for differences, it's the same thing, but the only difference is you're not trading time value. So that means that you're not defining an expiry. You're not actually saying um, that over the next 60 minutes, the price of this has to be higher and only then will I get paid. For the CFD, you're actually just going long. You're entering a long position and you're waiting it out. And if it goes up 30 pips and you have set your, your level at $2 per pip, then you make 60 bucks and you can close the position. You can leave your positions open overnight as well. So it's, it's, it's basically what is happening offline with binary options or with CFDs and FX. But the, the, the beauty is that we're doing it in a trustless manner. Um, and we're also we're able to write these contracts like smart options and CFDs on any underlying asset, not just currencies. We can do it on all cryptos. We can do it on penny stocks. We can do it on stocks, indices, events. That's the beauty. Got it. Got it. Okay. Cool. That's interesting. It's a little. It was a little complicated at first, but I kind of started to get yeah. into it. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So I'd love to talk about more about the specifics about the ICO. And even before that, I want to, what we're kind of focusing on now is uh, focus mainly on, uh, on kind of penny stocks, but we're also expanding now to focus more on, on Bitcoin. You know, it's trending. Everyone wants to know about it. So initial coin offerings and ICOs have been very important to kind of learning and my audience and it's all over the news. Um, so I'd love to, if you can, give an overview of like what ICOs are in general and then discuss Spectre's ICO specifically at the moment. Thank you. Thank you, Raj. Sure. So basically, um, so the, you have your the most popular um, blockchain-based currency today is Bitcoin. It's the way to get into the blockchain, right? The world knows about Bitcoin. Everyone trades and buys Bitcoin first. But then when you actually go to coinmarketcap.com, highly suggested website, you'll see that there is this entire universe of what is known as alts, ALTs, alternative coins, right? And... Once you open this rabbit hole, once you go down this rabbit hole, you'll, you'll never come out because it just gets deeper and deeper, right? And the thing with Bitcoin is it's a transaction mechanism. It's a store of value. Uh, it's a currency that's basically blocked by a decentralized ledger. Uh, not blocked, sorry. Governed by a decentralized ledger. That's it. 
that's its um, purpose. It's very simple. It's very easy to understand. If you go to Ethereum, which is the second uh, most liquid and largest and publicly traded currency, it's a currency. It's a store of value. So I could send you Ethereum and you could send it back and we can pay for goods and services. But it's also got a layer of smart contracts on it. For example, in our case, we are... We have built the entire Spectre platform using those smart contracts, right? So the same blockchain, the Ethereum blockchain, that allows you and me to send Ethereum between each other to pay for goods and services, it also processes smart contract outcomes. So what this means is you've seen this giant economy that's developed, the ideas economy, uh, for ICOs. ICOs, all that is, is it's an IPO, like an initial public offering when a company goes public. But this is an initial coin offer. So companies like ours who, who have product or services, who have ideas, they can basically uh, display this to the, 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 the crypto community. And they go on a roadshow for one to two months. And if the community buys in and they understand that, okay, this coin has huge potential, this could be bigger than Ethereum itself potentially, or it could be a, um, you know, a, a coin worth hundreds of millions, then they buy into it at a very early stage. And in return, they receive tokens. It's the same thing as a company going out and, and listing its shares and receiving funds in return to grow a part of its business. Uh, but only difference is that it's listed on cryptocurrency exchanges, not New York Stock Exchange and those types. So the altcoins are almost like what penny stocks are to the normal stock market. 100%, 100%. It's very, very, very applicable to what, what, what you guys are already doing. Uh, so you'll be very excited with it once you get, once you get into it, uh, in case you already haven't. It's a very exciting world. Yeah, definitely. So tell me about Spectres specifically. Where are you guys at right now? I know there's a pre-sale, there's a post-sale. You know, what's your plan for raising the capital or raising, you know, the ICO? Absolutely. So um, we started our pre-sale around <clears throat> eight days ago or so, and it ends tomorrow. So it's been uh, it's been pretty decent. Uh, it's been a very quick week. Um, we've raised six million so so far, and um, we're expecting. Thank you, thank you. And we're expecting basically the uh, main sale, which kicks off on the 17th of November until the 10th of December. We're hoping we can bridge the gap. We're looking to raise around 10 million. So we're almost there. Uh, at 7 million, we have ample funds to bring out our reality, our vision, meet our roadmap, and all the forecasts. At 10 million, we're very well capitalized. So uh, we're doing a Asian roadshow soon. And um, the one thing to note is that we had quite a decent bonus for the pre-sale. That ends in just 20 hours, 33%. For the main sale, it's much, much lower. Uh, and that ends on the 10th of December, and then we're done, basically. Got it, got it. And is there a minimum for ICOs that you are required to raise for you to be able to like, keep the funds, or is it not like that? Yeah, no, that's a very good question. So um, it depends on a project-by-project project basis. Generally speaking, we see the mo the most minimums are around 1 to 2 million. For us, it was 1 million. Anything below that, we wouldn't be able to uh, bring out our product and meet our roadmap on time. I would also say up to 3 million, we would be underfunded, so we'd have to really go on a budget. Uh, but we, what ICOs do is, in the smart contract, they computerize it. They already program it that if the total raise is less than the minimum cap, the funds are returned to the investors. Oh, okay, okay. Interesting. So they took the whole IPO concept and just <laughs> took out all the human involvement and just created it so it's like you cut out the middleman of like the investment banks and all that stuff. That's, That's exactly what they did. That's what they did. And you know what the amazing thing is that it's basically democratized funding as we know it. Like we saw, you know, um, Indigo, Indiegogo and Kickstarter. Yeah. Kickstarter was very popular. But if you compare Kickstarter to what's happening in the ICO space, 
it looks like a relic. You know, Kickstarter looks like a relic. People are raising 100, 200K. Um, each investor has to go through KYC, especially with Indiegogo. And then you have Crowdcube in London. It's a very slow process. I, I believe those, those platforms are very important for the time they serve. But if you look at ICOs now, uh, oh my God! It's it's a diff- it's a different it's a different league, different league, right? It competes directly with 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 venture capital. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I guess that's probably why a lot of the big banks or, or some of them seem to be like getting onto the blockchain, not necessarily bandwagon, but you know, utilizing their resources in the right way to kind of help develop the community further. And then some yep. of them, like I think the CEO of, you know, Jamie Di- you know Jamie Diamond, I think he said, you know, Bitcoin is just gonna fail and it's gonna crash and all that. So. It's interesting to see like the split dichotomy of like their opinions and stuff. It is very interesting because you, you have Jamie Diamond who is basically now uh, associated with FUD in the space, right? Every time he comes out, he just bashes Bitcoin. Um, while at the same time, his company is buying Bitcoin, right? Like his employees and stuff. So it's you really wonder what, what, what are the motivations. And then you have Goldman Sachs' CEO, Lloyd Blankfein, who comes out and yesterday he was like, Bitcoin has my attention, which I think is interesting because it has been, you know, it's, it, it finally got his attention after hitting 7,000, right? Like, where were you? Yeah, after so long. But it, it's very interesting because it's it's almost scary that you have some powerhouses like Goldman who are saying, yeah, we're long Bitcoin. And then you have JP Morgan that's, you know, according to their CEO, Barry. So it's interesting to see that dichotomy, even in what you consider, you know, officialdom, which is where you, you think all investment banks think the same way. They don't which is very interesting. And I'm sure with any ICO, you know, like the whole IPO, they created regulations in the 1930s. What are some of the risks with ICOs and what has Spectre done? You know, I, I read a lot of your documentation on, you know, this, the things you guys set in place to avoid a lot of the risks that have been occurring with ICOs currently. Yeah, so the you're 100% right the ICO space has uh, developed and ballooned too quickly there has been very little regulation the regulators are still playing catch up trying to understand what the blockchain is and you have some very bright minds in blockchain that have gone you know two or three layers deeper so um, regulation is always lagging and so what you're seeing is some ICO companies are taking advantage of that fact and you're seeing some ICOs structured in a very fiduciarily poor manner for example I won't mention names, but most ICOs are tanking after they list on the exchange by 30-40% because the management teams are giving crazy egregious bonuses in the pre-sale rounds to venture capitalists and big whales, and that's creating a lot of distortion. The second thing is you have celebrities now coming in and making a quick million, like you saw Floyd Mayweather, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Pump and dumps. And so they come and, you know, Floyd's a great guy, but he's, he got associated with certain ICOs and the SEC has come out with, with a statement just two days ago that it's actually breaching um i'm forgetting the exact term they use but it was a technical term it's breaching regulation um that you're, you're getting a celebrity to to push um this in such a big way so um those are some of the red flags right so the, you want to be a, you want you want to stay away from that from our perspective look we haven't taken money from 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 wales uh we've said no to almost six million in funding today we'd be sitting at 12 million um because we have said no to buyers groups. That's a big, big uh, thing. No, I believe. Okay, it's a good question. So you have you have two categories of big investors. Uh, three, sorry. You have the singular, sort of the single high net worth individuals. You know, a rich kid who has 800k or a million to invest. Um, 
Then you have the, the, the BCs, which fall in the same category as family offices. They come in with size, one to two, three million positions. And then you have the buyers groups, which are basically decentralized groups of investors like yourself and myself that would come in maybe with 20K each, but there's a hundred of us, right? So suddenly you have a two, two million, right? The problem is that these buyers groups generally, when they get these bonuses, these extra bonuses, they take that excess inventory and they dump it on the, the exchanges immediately. So the ICO just tanks after listing. And this has created a really bad taste or bad flavor um, in a lot of investors' minds. So the, the ICO market, it, it kind of came really quickly. It's, it's, it's ballooned. You had, you know, you had ICOs like Tezos, which raised $282 million. Um, I think we've reached, we've crossed that peak. Uh, we we already seeing the exhaustion setting in, and I think the market will kind of level out next year, uh, where regulation sets in and management teams also take a more pedestrian approach on on how much they can raise. Got it, got it. And now, if people right, they come to your site, they see Spectre AI, they like the company, and they want to be a part of this ICO. What would they? How how would like someone invest into it or or join the the offer? Okay, so the first thing to do is, of course, do your due diligence. Uh, you can read, reach me in Telegram. We have around 4,000 participants, a lot of investors that have been with us in the last one or two months. Um, ask them questions, ask us questions, and spend time reading our documentation. Uh, we have created a white paper, a for forecast, SWOT analysis, um, a range of different um, documents that cover different aspects and risks of the the investment it's important to go to the risk section to see okay what could go wrong yeah. once you've done that just click on click on register uh and you can contribute you just need an ethereum wallet and we give you instructions on how to open one um and then you're you're good to go you get the tokens immediately it's you know smart contract and then you can convert them at, at the end of the ico on december 10th to either dividend tokens or utility tokens depending on what type of investor you are the dividend tokens are the more popular ones at the moment because they pay out directly uh, from volumes the utility ones have kind of a more longer term story. Okay, got it. And now do these tokens offer, will they have any equity basis in the company? Are they like shares of a stock or is it purely just a currency? Yeah, it's a very good question you asked because this was the first question I always asked to our lawyers when we were... The first question I always asked to our lawyers when we Okay, we're good now. Sorry. Okay, okay good. Sorry. Yeah, sure. So it's a question that you asked me. Yeah, sure. So um, it's a question that you asked me. I'm getting a bit of an echo, sorry. Can you hear me? I'm getting a bit of an echo, sorry. Uh, sorry, Can give me, me one second. 